Hi there, this is Kevin Skinner, pastor at First Baptist Church in Stockdale, Texas, and welcome to our weekly message podcast. If you live in the Stockdale area, then I would invite you to join us every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. to worship with us in person. You can also check out our webpage at fbcstockdale.org. Here at First Baptist, we are a community church with a kingdom mission, and we invite you to join us on that mission. So when we were living up in Fort Worth, uh, we had some friends that lived just outside the city limits. And so for several years, we went to their house for the 4th of July so we could enjoy some hot dogs, hamburgers, and of course, some good old-fashioned fireworks. So just a couple of years ago, we were at their house, and the sun had gone down, the firework festivities had begun, and we were shooting off our fireworks, and a few houses down, there was another group that was also uh, enjoying some fireworks as well. So we were shooting off our fireworks, and they were shooting off their fireworks, when all of a sudden, in the distance, across the fence in in the backyard, we saw in the field, uh, just behind their neighborhood, a fire. So... The, the group down the way, instead of shooting their fireworks straight up into the air, they shot it straight into the field. And so the field caught on fire and the flames were getting higher. And so we jumped into action. Someone ran into the house and got a fire extinguisher. Others of us, we started grabbing the hose and started dragging it out over the fence so we could begin to put that fire out. And, and thankfully, we were able to get the fire put out before it got out of control. So for the last 11 weeks, we have been in a series titled Rooted, and and this is the last Sunday that we're going to be in this series. Next week, we're going to launch into a new series titled A Soundtrack for Life. We're going to spend 10 weeks in the book of Psalms uh, looking at 10 different songs. But, But as we have been going through this series, Rooted, we've simply been walking through the book of Colossians, and I've reminded you each and every week of this important truth that we are to root our lives in Jesus, that we are to root our lives in Jesus. This is one of the primary things that we have learned as we have looked at these passages each and every week, that that as believers, we need to root our lives in Jesus. Now, we see this in the book of Colossians because if you remember, the book of Colossians was, was written to the Colossian church who at one point in time had been strong in their faith But because of false teachings that that had gotten into the church and because of some philosophies and and, uh, ideologies from the world that were beginning to impact the church, seeping into the church, the Colossian church had become vulnerable to deception. And, And this deception had the potential to be very harmful, like a wildfire, to become very destructive. And so Paul, in writing this letter to the Colossian church, has really jumped into action so that he can begin to address the flames, so that the flames will be put out, and so that the the Colossian church can root their lives in Jesus Christ once again. And so as we close out this series today, let me just pause and ask a simple question. Is your life firmly rooted in Jesus Christ? Now, this is what I'm not asking. I'm not asking if you attend church faithfully. And I'm not asking if you, are, if, you're, if you go through religious rituals on a continual basis. What I'm asking is, is your life firmly rooted in the Savior and the person 
of Jesus Christ who came into this world all those years ago, went to the cross to die for our sins, rose again three days later, and, and whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. Is your life firmly rooted in Jesus Christ? Because honestly, the world that we live in today really isn't much different than the world back then. We still have worldly philosophies, traditions, ideas that, that we hear, and, and they can easily impact what we think and believe. And, and these philosophies and traditions oftentimes are counter to what God's Word teaches. We also have false teachings in our world today, false teachings sometimes inside the walls of the church, sometimes outside the walls of the church, but, but it's easy for us to grab hold of these false teachings and, and be, begin to look at these things as if they are truth. Bottom line, the world today is still just as complicated and just as confusing as it was when Paul wrote this letter. And so it's important for us to read this letter, to read the truth of this letter, and, and to begin applying the truth of this letter to our lives as well so that we also might root our lives in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone. So let me pause right here and just give you this overarching truth one, one last time for this series. The world complicates things for us. The enemy confuses things for us, but God's word makes things clear for us. And God's word points us to Jesus. I've repeated this each and every week because I want you to grab hold of this. Because even after this series ends, we as individuals, but also we as a church body... We're still going to have this call on our lives to root our lives in Jesus Christ. Regardless of what the world might say, regardless of what the enemy might say, we are going to continue to root our lives in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me now to Colossians chapter 4. We're going to close out this chapter, verses 7 through 18. Colossians chapter 4, verses 7 through 18. And as you're turning there, let me just briefly set this up for you. As I've already said, the book of Colossians is a letter written to the Colossian church by the Apostle Paul. And so going back to chapter 1, we see the opening to this letter, the opening greetings. And then we see so much truth just jam-packed into this letter. Throughout this letter, we have been reminded of the true gospel. We have seen the importance of knowing God's will and walking in not in our own strength, but in his strength. We've gained a, a deeper understanding of who Christ is and how our lives, our relationships, and even our words will be transformed when, when our lives are rooted in him. And so as we look at this letter today, as we continue to see this, this truth, we can see that, man, we can still apply even the closing of this letter to our lives as well. And that's really what we're looking at. We're looking at the closing of Paul's letter today to, to the Colossian church. So with that in mind, let's read this now. Colossians chapter 4, verses 7 through 18. It says, Tychicus, our dearly loved brother, faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord, will tell you all the news about me. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, so that you may know how we are, and so that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, a faithful and dearly loved brother who is one of you. They will tell you about everything here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, sends you greetings, as does Mark, 
Barnabas's cousin, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And so does Jesus, who is called Justice. These alone of the circumcised are my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. He is always wrestling for you in his prayers so that you can stand mature and fully assured in everything God wills. For I testify about him that he works hard for you, for those in Laodicea and for those in Hierapolis. Luke, the dearly loved physician, and Demas send you greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters in Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her home. After this letter has been read at your gathering, have it read also in the church of the Laodiceans and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And tell Archippus, pay attention to the ministry you have received in the Lord so that you can accomplish it. I, Paul, am writing this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains, grace be with you. Now, as we look at this passage today, there are a lot of names that we see listed there. I thought for a second that we were back in the book of Nehemiah again. But the names that we see Paul listing off here, are, they're not random names. These are individuals that are working alongside Paul. They're working alongside the Colossian church or along the Laodicean church. They are working alongside of each other in the ministry. And so we have this great reminder for us here that ministry is made up of many people. Ministry is made up of many people. So you've probably heard or seen at one point in time a one-man band. Uh, So let me introduce you to a man by the name of Mark Dobson. Mark Dobson uh, began performing as a one-man band back in 1989. He's taken his performance across the USA to Canada and to countries across Europe And he performs with 9.1 instruments. Now, I don't know what a .1 instrument is, but he performs. He plays 9.1 instruments in his act, and his self-proclaimed mission is to be so good at what he does that he literally defines the one-man band. Listen, when it comes to the church, when it comes to ministry, it is not meant to be a one-man band. It is not meant to be a one man show. Rather, God's desire is to take many different people and and to bring them together, united in Christ, standing strong and firm on his word so that we can work together to accomplish the, the mission and the purpose that has been laid out before us. And so while there may be some that are just really good at what they do, maybe there are some that are really good at doing multiple different things, God's desire is not to just use one person. God's desire is to to bring many different people together in multiple ways, multiple areas, so that we can serve in ministry together. God's desire is not for ministry to be a one-man show. Ministry is made up of many people. I think last week is a great example of uh, ministry being made up of many people. Last Sunday, we, we finished off Vacation Bible School. As we think about Vacation Bible School, it, it is not something that I, as your pastor, or that Megan, as the VBS director, could have pulled off on our own. Rather, it took many different people coming together. We had people that were in the classrooms teaching. We had people that were preparing meals for us. We had people that were serving in crafts, missions, music, games, 
all of these different individuals came together to work together, to serve together, to make this great ministry possible. Ministry is made up of many people. I'm also for, uh, thankful for our, our deacons here at this church uh, because I don't have to do it all on my own. We have great deacons that come alongside of me in ministry, and they serve in many different ways, committed to serving this church body in many different ways, plugged into the heart and the mission of this church family. And, and they also have uh, families assigned to them so that they can help me better minister to this church body. And so I'm thankful for our deacons because I know that ministry is made up of many people. As we think about the Sunday morning worship service, I'm so glad that I don't have to run the slides, run the sound, play the piano and, and the organ, and stand up here and lead worship and then get up and preach. Right? We have multiple faithful individuals, whether they're volunteers or whether they're paid staff. We have many that come together that, that are able to make these worship services possible every Sunday morning. And in the days ahead, as I shared this already at the beginning of the service, we're going to be bringing uh, uh, an individual before the church to come in view of a call to, to grow our staff so that we can have our first ever full-time youth minister. Man, what an exciting time it is to be a part of the life and mission of First Baptist Church Stockdale. God is moving in, in great ways here. And so God has not called us to be a one-man band. God has not called us to be a one-man show. God has called us to come together and to work together because ministry is made up of many people. And so as we think about ministry being made up of many people, then understand if you're a believer, God's desire is to use you. If you're a believer, God's desire is to use you in ministry. Now, if you're a member here at this church and you're not currently serving uh, in some capacity, then, then let me encourage you, come, get with me. I'd love to talk with you. Find out where you're gifted, where your strengths are, so that we can talk about where you can begin serving. Maybe it's in uh, on the safety team that we're developing. Maybe it's on the media team that, that I think can be a growing team now with this new soundboard that we have. Maybe it's on the praise team. Maybe it's leading a growth group. Maybe it's in, in something that we haven't even discovered or developed yet. I don't know specifically where God wants to use you, but I do know this, that God desires to use you because... Ministry is not a one-man show. Ministry is made up of many people. And that's my desire as your pastor. My desire is to lead you and to equip you so that, that God can use you so that you will be faithful in, in, in being used by God so that we can come together, so that we can accomplish the heart and the mission, the vision of this church together. And so... As Paul writes this closing to his letter, he lists off all of these different individuals that, that make up the ministry, that make ministry possible. And so as we think about not only ministry being made up of many people, as we think about this church being made up of many different people, there are three things that, that I want you to see today that I believe that we are called to do as we serve in ministry together. First, we are to operate as one family. We are to operate as one family. Let's read verse 9 again. It says... He is coming with Onesimus, a faithful and dearly loved brother who is one of you. 
We are to operate as one family. Now, families are an interesting thing because like a church, families are made up of multiple different people. Some of them are kind of weird at times. I think in my family growing up, I was the weird one, right? So, <laughs> amen. Still am the weird one, right? So when I was growing up, I was the jokester. I was the prankster. And so, you know, I would often play jokes. I would often play pranks on my, my sister. Man, I've got a good story to tell at some point in time, right? I'm, I'm saving it so I can use it as an illustration in the future. But I used to play pranks on my sister and my family just so I could get a, a reaction. And now that I have kids, I have raised two pranksters. And Sarah just has to live with it, right? <laughs> now, thankfully, I, I think for the most part, she enjoys our jokes, right? Uh, but as we think about families being made up of, of many different people, ministry is made up of many different people. And Paul doesn't describe Onesimus as the brother that enjoys jokes or pranks. But what he does say is that Onesimus is a dearly loved, a faithful, dearly loved brother. He uses this language of family as, as he writes to the Colossian church. You see, when it comes to faith in Christ, we aren't just... Uh, meant to operate out there on our own. Rather, we are called to, to come together, to, to become connected to a larger faith family. And that's really how the church is to operate, as a family. So let me just pause right here and say this. If you become a member of First Baptist Church Stockdale, you aren't just joining a club, you are joining a family. When you connect your life with this church body, you're not just joining a club. You are joining a family. And here at First Baptist Church Stockdale, just like Paul uses in his letter, we often use that language of family. If you're on the email distribution list, every week I send emails out to the church as a whole. And you know that anytime I send an email out to the church as a whole, I start it with two words, church, family. I use that language of Family And when I came as your pastor, I began to refer to what we typically historically have called business meetings. I began to refer to those as family meetings because while we do have business to do as a church, we are not a business. We are a family. And so when we come together to do business together, we are operating, we are doing business together as a family now, an interesting fact about Onesimus here is that he had actually been a slave that belonged to a believer in the Colossian church. And he had, he had run away, and, and he came in contact with Paul, and Paul shared the gospel with him, and, and Onesimus gave his life to Christ and began serving Christ faithfully alongside of Paul. So I want you to hear this. When Paul wrote this letter, Paul could have said, I'm sending Onesimus a slave back to you. But instead, Paul describes Onesimus not as a slave, but as a dearly loved brother who is one of you. He is part of the family of the church in Colossae. So I want you to hear this. It doesn't matter who you used to be. When you give your life to Christ, you are given a place in the family. It doesn't matter who you used to be. When you give your life to Christ, you are given a place in the family. And so really the question for us today is, are you a part of the family? Are you a part of Christ's family? Have you turned from your sins, allowing Christ to become the Lord of your life, being connected not simply to a temporary earthly family, 
but being connected to his eternal family. Are you a part of the family? And if you're not, then that would be my, my prayer today, that you would become a part of the family, that you would allow for, for your life to be rooted in Christ through salvation, that you would become a part of the family. So we're to operate as a family second We are to stand on the truth. We are to stand on the truth. Let's read verse 12 again. It says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. He is always wrestling for you in his prayers so that you can stand mature and fully assured in everything God wills. We are to stand on the truth. Again, we see this idea of family here. Epaphras, who is one of you. But I want to highlight the significance of Epaphras' prayer here in the context of our sermon series. But before I do, let me just give you a side note. We see the, the language that Paul uses here, saying Epaphras is always wrestling for you in, in his prayers. And, and we get this sense that at times, prayer is a battle. Now, I've said this many times, that, that, that prayer is simply a conversation with God, and I stand by that. I, I believe that we can simply have a conversation with God anytime and anywhere we are. We can simply just talk to God as if we are in conversation. But I think it's also important for us to remember that, that although it is a conversation with God, when we enter into this conversation with God, we are also entering into a spiritual battle. We are entering into that spiritual battlefield. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul likens prayer to Christian warfare. And he says in verse 12, this is a verse I actually shared with you a few weeks back. He says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. And so, yes, prayer is a conversation with God, but prayer is also very much a battle as we wrestle in prayer, as we wrestle in prayer for God's will to be accomplished in our lives and in the lives of others. And Epaphras was specifically praying for the believers in in Colossae, recognizing that they had become vulnerable to deception. Here they are, he's praying that they would stand mature and fully assured in everything God wills. So how was this prayer going to be accomplished? How were were the Colossians going to stand mature and fully assured in everything God wills? How are we, here at First Baptist Church Stockdale, how are we going to stand mature and fully assured in everything God wills? And the answer is, we will stand mature and fully assured when we stand on the truth of God's word. We will stand mature and fully assured when we stand on the truth of God's word. We must not be swayed by false teachings that sound good to our ears but are counter to God's word. And we must not be swayed by the pressures of culture to accept and to celebrate that which God calls sin. Rather, we are to turn to God's word and we are to root our lives in the truth of his word that our lives as a church, but also as individuals, would be completely shaped by his word. To put it simply, we are not to be swayed by the world. We are to be shaped by his word. Our lives are not to be swayed by the world. We are to be shaped by his word. And so we're to understand 
that God's will will always line up in it with his word. And so if you want to know God's will, turn to his word. It's very simple. If you want to know God's will, turn to his word. You know, the quickest way that we can get off track as individuals or that we can get off track as a church from God's will is to begin neglecting his word and begin accepting or clinging to all of our own thoughts, emotions, desires, or, or the thoughts and the agendas of the world. But if we want to stay on track with God's word, then we need to turn to his word because God's will will always line up with his word. Now, this doesn't happen often, but, but in my years as as a full-time minister, from time to time I have heard, I know that God's word says this is what we should do and this is wrong, but God told me it's okay for me to do this anyways. Right? Listen, if God's word says this is right and this is wrong, then God did not tell you that this is okay for you to do. Right? Because God will never contradict himself. God is not going to go against his word. And so if his word says this is right, then this is right. And if God's word says this is wrong, then this is wrong. And so if we are going to stand mature and fully assured of everything God wills, then we must stand on the truth of God's word. Not on our own feelings, not on the agendas of this world, but we must stand on the truth. So we're to operate as one family. We're to stand on the truth. Finally, this morning, we are to work until the end. Let's read verse 17 again. It says, And tell Archippus, pay attention to the ministry you have received in the Lord so that you can accomplish it. We are to work until the end. Now, we don't know this for certain, but it would seem that Archippus is connected to the Laodicean church and, and possibly even that Archippus is the pastor of the Laodicean church. And so Paul tells the Colossians, pass on a greeting to the Laodicean church, and while you're at it, pass this on to Archippus as well. Tell him to continue to be faithful in the ministry that he has received in the Lord so that he can, so that it can be accomplished. In other words, encourage Archippus to be faithful to the work that God has called him to to the very end until it is accomplished. So let me just say a couple of things here. First... Encourage your pastor to be faithful to the ministry that God has called him to. Encourage your pastor to be faithful to the ministry that God has called him to. Now, I don't say this because I'm feeling discouraged, all right? Quite honestly, I feel very invigorated with what God has been doing here at this church and in the community in the last year since I've been here. So I'm not feeling discouraged. But I also know, just from experience, that not every day is easy and not every task is easy. And unfortunately, over the last few years, especially with the pandemic, many pastors have left the ministry simply because they have been discouraged. And so I don't say encourage your pastor because I, I feel discouraged right now, but I say encourage your pastor because it's always good to be encouraged. It's always good to have that encouragement to press on to what God has called us to do so that, so, so that I can accomplish the ministry that God has called me to. But second, not only do I want or not only do I want you to encourage me, but but I also want to encourage you to be faithful to the ministry that God has called this church to. So this church was organized in 1874. And, and so over the last nearly 100 
in 50 years, this church has existed. Certainly, this church has seen many different pastors and, and many different members over the year. And, and, and the reason I believe that this church still exists is because of the many that have been faithful over the years to the truth of God's word and to be faithful in serving in ministry. And so as we look ahead to the next 30, 50, and even 100 years, should the Lord tarry in returning, then we still need to, right now, we need to be faithful to God's word, and we need to continue to faithfully serve. We need to continue to faithfully proclaim, proclaim the gospel. We need to continue to be faithful in loving, growing, serving, and going, our mission statement here. We need to be faithful in raising up new generations, teaching them God's word, that they might stand on the truth of God's word so that this church will continue long into the future. And so as we recognize that we are a family, you must encourage me, but I also must encourage you so that we can accomplish what God has called us to together because the church is not a one-man show, but ministry is made up of many people. Now, if you want to be a part of the ministry of Christ, if you want to be a part of the family of Christ, then first you must know Christ first. He must be your Lord. And so if today you're here and you would say, right now Christ is not my Lord, then I want to give you the opportunity to respond this morning. And so in just a moment, we're going to sing another song. And as we sing this song, this is going to be your opportunity to respond. And if you're here today and you would say, that's me, I've never given my life to Christ, but today I've heard that Christ has died for my sins he rose again, and today I'm ready to turn from my sins, allowing him to be the Lord of my life. Then I would invite you to respond during the song. I'm going to be standing right down front. Step out of your seat as we sing. Let's talk. Let's pray. Today, you can become a part of the family. Now, maybe you're here and you would say, I've given my life to Christ, but I've never taken that next step of baptism to publicly profess your faith in Christ through baptism. If that's you, I would invite you to respond as well. Baptism doesn't save us, but it is something that God has called us to do to proclaim our faith in him. And so if you need to make that commitment of baptism, we have three baptisms coming up over the next couple of weeks. I'd love to get yours scheduled as well. You can come and talk and, and pray, and we can, get that, we can get that scheduled today. Now, maybe you're here and you would say, I've given my life to Christ I've been baptized by immersion, and I know that God is calling me to join this church body, to, to become a part of not just God's larger family of believers, but specifically to connect my life with this local family of believers right here. If God's calling you to become a member of First Baptist Church Stockdale, then I would invite you to respond as well. Whatever it is that, that God's calling you to do in these final moments, I would encourage you to respond obediently. Would you stand with me right now, and let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Thanks for listening to our weekly message podcast. At the end of every service, I offer an invitation to respond, and I'd like to invite you to respond today. If you'd like to make Jesus Christ your Lord, or if you'd like information about membership here at First Baptist Stockdale, then head on over to fbcstockdale.org respond. Your response will come directly to me, and I'll follow up with you this week. God bless you, and have a great week.